Zadavian Sims is heading where? And what's with the softball snubs on today's episode of Locked On Sooners? You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. Shout out to all the everydayers, and thank you for making yourself locked in with Locked On Sooners every day. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here, well, my buddy Josh isn't here tonight. He is moving, so you know how that goes. The internet connection isn't completely set up, so it's going to be another solo show as we're here in the offseason. Sometimes we're going to take a night off a night here and there. But uh, we got a lot to talk about on tonight's episode of Locked On Sooners. First of all, let's start with Zadavian Sims. Steve Wiltfong, the 247 National Recruiting Director, issued a crystal ball favoring the Oregon Ducks out of nowhere, coming to be a little thorn in the side of Brent Venables and Todd Bates in the recruiting of Zadavian Sims. Now, if you've been following the show over the past week, we've talked about the Josh McQuistion on three prediction that he issued last Friday, and then the Rivals future cast from Parker Thune on Monday. There's been a lot trending toward the Oklahoma Sooners on that front. Now, with the Wilt Fong crystal ball prediction, and then you've seen several Michigan State insiders for 247 Sports also flip their predictions from the Spartans to the Ducks, it would indicate that a Zadavian Sims commitment to Oregon is forthcoming. Now Sims is expected to commit at C4 Sports, uh, the training center down there in Durant, Oklahoma. He's going to commit on Saturday, May 20th uh, in the afternoon. And I mean, that's very much a possibility. Like anything is possible in recruiting. You know this, you've seen it. If you followed it for any length of time, you know that, you know, committed one day, you know, committed somewhere else the next day, you know, one team's in the lead one day, another team's in the lead the next day. It's like we talked about on our show yesterday with Locked On's newest recruiting analyst, Brian Smith, where he just talked about how, you know, Zadavian Sims and then several other, you know, defensive line targets for the Oklahoma Sooners are going to be guys that are going to be recruited throughout the rest of the cycle, not just up to their commitment date. So this is going to be a commitment or a recruitment that goes on past this because the Sooners have identified Sims as somebody they want as a part of their defensive line. And so, you know, they're not going to sit back and they're not going to lay back. We saw it with the Peyton Bowen recruitment last cycle. The dude was committed to Notre Dame up until the first day of the early signing period, the second day of the early signing period and flips his commitment to the ducks. And they're thinking, Hey, we got the five-star safety prospect out of Denton. They're all celebrating. They're, you know, planning the parade, all that good stuff. And then the next day we get the all in chip. We get the picture with Brent Venables holding that uh, or with that screenshot. And then Peyton Bowen signing with the Sooners on the, on the last day of the early signing period. So, you know, that this is a, a situation where with a lot of these high profile targets, now Zim Sims might not be, you know, the best defensive tackle in the class, the best defensive lineman in the class, but he's one of the best players in the state of Oklahoma. And that, and that matters, you know, Michigan state, Oregon coming into Oklahoma, trying to poach these high level prospects, especially along the defensive line that matters. And Brent Venables and Todd Bates, they want to, and Miguel Chavis want to fortify 
a significantly strong and deep defensive line group that's going to be able to carry them into the SEC. And that starts with being able to win your own, the recruiting battles in your own backyard. That's not to say that one, that this commitment is going to happen, you know, talking with people around the way and in, in the know on the recruiting trail, they still feel pretty confident that it's going to be Oklahoma, whether that's Oklahoma on signing day or Oklahoma as a commitment on Saturday, that'll remain to be seen, but it is worth noting that Wilt Fong and a couple of those Michigan insiders over at two, four, seven sports feel pretty strongly that it's going to be the ducks. Uh, again, a commitment doesn't mean a signature. We've seen it in the past. You know, Colton Vasic and Anthony Evans last year committed to the Sooners and then flipped to other places. Uh, the Sooners, they were the beneficiary of the Peyton Bowen flip. So it happens. You have your, your commitments and your flips. But I would say that in large part under Brent Venables, the flips were few. And they had, you know, there were significant reasons why those flips occurred. Colton Vasek being the Texas legacy, Anthony Evans' mom being a big-time Georgia fan. Hey, you got to go where mama wants you to go sometimes, and that's all right. Now, following Sims, we'll see where this all ends up on Saturday. But, you know, we like the kid. He's a really good player. He's a really good you know, defensive line prospect that's somebody who could make Oklahoma better and is going to be a player that will compete for starting reps or at least first team reps at some point in his collegiate career. Again, if Dan Lanning's coming after this kid, if Mel Tucker's coming after this kid, you got to know that he's a really, really good player and they want him. Let Sometimes we got to let the star ratings, we got to kind of remove them from the, the, the picture a little bit because the coaches aren't evaluating in the same way that we're evaluating. They, they are kind of going to a little bit deeper level. Do the stars matter? 100%. Absolutely, they matter. It, it, it matters, especially when it comes to the public, you know, the public view and, and how your, your school, your university looks in the public eye. They matter. At the same time, the coaches are going to do their own evaluations. That's why you see a guy like Bill Biedenboe not care. He's like, I like that kid. How many stars? I don't care. Let's bring them. Uh, you know, this kid's a four-star kid. It doesn't matter. That's a three. I don't care. Let's go. I think they can play football. So we're going to bring them into our program and not only let them play football, but also teach them and help them develop strength and conditioning-wise and make them good football players. So Zadavian Sims, a four-star most places, a three-star other places. But Dan Lanning wants this kid. This is a national championship winning defensive coordinator brent venables wants this kid this is a national championship defensive coordinator multi-time national championship defensive coordinator so we can talk star ratings but two of the best defensive coaches in the game want the damian sims on their team so it's a priority recruitment and i can't wait to find out what's going to happen if you want if you follow this stuff and you kind of just get upset about it try to take the perspective of it's just fun like it's kind of fun to watch, even though sometimes it doesn't go your way as an Oklahoma Sooners fan. The whole spectacle of it all, the drama of it all, it's like its own show. You know, it's like a, a three-hour musical or your favorite TV show. Just the ebbs and flows of recruiting, it I don't know, it's kind of fun to me. Uh, yes, is it disappointing sometimes when the player that you really hoped to get doesn't land with your team? Yeah, absolutely. It is. We all have our favorites in the recruiting cycle. And, you know, the same goes for the NFL draft each year. Whenever I covered the NFL draft covering the Dallas Cowboys, I mean, I had my guys, I had my guys that I absolutely wanted on the Dallas Cowboys, Antoine Winfield. He was a Minnesota safety. Absolutely. wanted that kid 
on my team for the Cowboys because he's just a playmaker. Height be darn. I don't care that he wasn't tall. He's just a playmaker. Uh, now, obviously, the C.D. Lamb ties to Oklahoma, being, being an Oklahoma fan as well, that mattered. When the Dallas Cowboys drafted C.D. Lamb, I was ecstatic. Like, I was buzzing. So the same goes for recruiting sometimes. There's kids that you just absolutely want as part of your program, and you really want to make those things happen. But when it doesn't, yeah, it's disappointing. But it's not worth getting, like, all up in arms about. It's just the ebb and flow of recruiting and you know, these kids are making decisions. So we'll see what Zadavian Sims does on Saturday. Again, at C4 Sports Pro Day down there in Durant, Oklahoma. It's going to be a lot of great coverage coming out of that pro day where, you know, guys like Nigel Smith and, you know, Zadavian Sims and Kevin Sperry and, and so many great, talented Texarkana prospects are going to be putting out testing numbers and doing individual drills and, team, you know, like group work. Uh, quarterbacks throwing to wide receivers, individual, you know, one-on-ones and things like that. So it's going to be really fascinating to see. They, they're doing a fantastic job of developing and, and training athletes, uh, not just football players, but, uh, you know, kind of across the sports spectrum. But uh, we're not here to, to advertise C4 Sports, but a good dude. If you don't follow Sean Cooper on Twitter, absolutely do it. Just a really solid guy. Just wants to see these kids, um, you know, achieve their dreams. So uh, shout out to Sean over there at C4 Sports. Coming up next, let's talk some college football win totals and see which of the big 12 win totals make the most sense which ones don't who are we which ones are we high on which aren't ones are we not according to FanDuel and then man we're gonna have to talk softball because absolutely ridiculous stuff happening with the USA player of the year uh, award finalists and again that's gonna be no disrespect to the players that were named finalists but a little bit disrespect to the USA softball uh, selection committee because Come on. First, let me talk to you about bird dogs. When you get out there in the summer heat, when you're going to Hall of Fame Stadium for the Women's College World Series this spring or this summer, you're going to want to have something cool, comfortable. You're going to want bird dogs. I wore these shorts just the other day, a very, very humid day. We got about two hours in a, of a break in the rain on Monday night here out, out here in eastern Oklahoma. And man, it was hot. It was muggy. The girls were all sweating. You know, I was red faced, but my legs were cool. My body felt cool because of my bird dogs. They were comfortable. They were fit. They, they felt good. They, they just looked good. I thought I was young all of a sudden just wearing these shorts. They just looked good, felt good. And when that happens, you look good, you play good. But when you're the coach, you look good, you coach good. And we ended up tying with the number one team in our in our league on, on Monday night. So that was a, a big a big goal for us because we hadn't beaten this team, but we got the tie. I'm going to give the credit to Bird Dogs. We'll definitely be wearing our Bird Dogs on Saturday when we finish up our season on the soccer field. But go to birddogs.com, use promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, and you can get a great tumbler with every purchase. This is a fantastic tumbler. It's going to keep your cold drinks cold, your hot drinks hot, and it looks good and it just fits great in your hand too. So again, go to birddogs.com slash locked on college to get that free tumbler. Win totals, FanDuel, friends over at FanDuel, uh, put out their preseason win total projections over unders for the Big 12. They did it for all of college football. We're going to focus on the Big 12 uh, first of all. And you know, the Oklahoma Sooners, I mean, a lot's being expected of them. You know, they come in with a preseason win total projection of eight and a half. And, you know, if you've heard us talk here on Locked On Sooners, myself, Josh, we're feeling pretty good about 
where Oklahoma stands, what their schedule looks like. We think the non-conference is going to really allow them to get off to a great start. You know, we think a three and O start is not unreasonable. And then you've got Iowa state and Kansas after that leading into the red river showdown. I mean, you have a chance to be five and O going into the red river showdown. So if you're looking at that eight and a half total and you're thinking, man, that, you know, after a six and seven season, that seems like, you know, kind of unreasonable to, to maybe put some money on going up to nine wins. But if you think about the close games that they lost a year ago, like some of those flip and you might be at nine wins, you're a little bit better on third down. You're a little bit better in the red zone. And maybe you're getting yourself to nine wins just a year ago. Now, yeah, they've had some talent, you know, losses on the offensive side of the ball. We feel like they've added a lot of really good defensive parts uh, this transfer portal season and through the recruiting class. But I mean, Eight and a half doesn't seem that unreasonable for the Sooners. I think it's a really good spot for them. But I also think it's a it's a doable, you know, getting eight wins. That seems like the floor. I don't think this is a eight and four team in the regular season. I do think it I think it's probably nine and three, ten and two. And so I, I'd be hitting that over on Oklahoma's win total projection. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of really interesting ones here. You know, Texas is the favorite in the Big 12, and they come with the highest win total projection at 9.5. Now, this is one of those, like, if you think Texas is going to be a national title contender, that means you're thinking they're probably going to go 11-1. and one. If you think they're just a Big 12 contender, you're probably looking at not, you know, 10-2, and 9-3. And, and so you're going to be kind of on the cusp of, Okay, what do you think their ceiling is as a team? And are you willing to bet on Texas being back? I'm not sure I'm willing to bet on Texas being back. Just when you think they've just when you think you've gotten out of Texas being back, right? They pull you back in. Sorry, that's my my worst Al Pacino impersonation. But it, it's gonna be one of those really fascinating storylines to watch. I mean, going to Alabama, playing in Tuscaloosa. That's not going to be an easy matchup for them. You know, obviously Oklahoma is going to be tough as well, uh, but, you know, you can't sit there and, and, I mean, yes, they're going to be the favorite in the Big 12, but, you know, just looking at the schedule, like, okay, Rice and Wyoming, dubs. Those should be very easy dubs. Uh, they play at Baylor. I would think that that's a win for, for Texas. You know, they play, they got Kansas at home. That should be a win. But last time Kansas came, to uh, you know, Daryl K. Royal Memorial Stadium, the Jayhawks they beat the the Longhorns. So, who knows? Maybe a little Jayhawk magic uh, down there in uh, um, in Austin. Uh, then you got Oklahoma. Texas plays at Houston. They get BYU. They get Kansas State at home. They play at TCU, at Iowa State, and then they get Texas Tech at home. So they get really favorable matchups. I think when you know Kansas State comes to town, Texas Tech comes to town which we, you know, I really do, aside from that Alabama matchup, like their home slate is very favorable when you get two of the teams that are for the most part projected to be in the top four, Texas Tech and uh, Kansas State, you get those two teams at home. I think that works out in, in their favor quite a bit. You know, looking at Oklahoma's schedule, I, I think the same thing can be true. Yeah, you got to go to Stillwater to play Oklahoma State. Yeah, that's a, kind of a tough one. You don't have to go to Orlando, which, I mean, Yes, maybe that's not the toughest place to play, but just weather-wise, that could be a very tough environment to play in. If you've ever been to Orlando, at basically from May until November, I mean, that humidity can be something fierce to deal with. 
but I mean, it could be cool, but it could also be very, very humid. It, it's a different thing. Uh, a few more of these wind total projections that I thought were interesting. Baylor, I'm looking at them and I'm like, maybe they're over under set at seven and a half. And I don't feel great about that. Like, I don't feel great about uh, the Baylor Bears getting to eight and four. You know, they've, they've got Utah. They play Texas. Uh, they've also got Texas Tech and TCU. I mean, if they're able to split those, then yeah, they, they might have a chance uh, to get to that eight and four. But I, I don't know. I'm not feeling real optimistic about the Bears. I just don't know. I don't know what Dave Aranda is at this point. You know, had a, had a rough start to his tenure uh, with the two-win season and then won the Big 12 and then fell back to the pack after picking Blake Shapin to be his starting quarterback. Um, and it, it didn't really pay off for him, uh, you know, letting Jerry Bo- or Gary Bohannon get off to the, uh, the transfer portal. It didn't really work out. Blake Shapin was good at times, but he wasn't great. And that's a team that I'm just not sure where they fall. You know, could they bounce back and become another 10 win team this year? I don't know. We'll find out. They're going to have a good offensive line because you know their offensive line is really good. They're going to have a good running game. But where's that defense going to be at? No Siaki Ika this year. He's gone. So you've a lot of, they've lost a lot of defensive talent over the last couple of seasons. Um, so the Bears, a very interesting one. That's one I don't feel great about. Um, and then you're looking at Kansas State at seven and a half. We're, we're kind of bullish on Kansas State. We think that they're one of the, the two or three legit contenders in the Big 12, along with Texas. The Will Howard situation, that, that thing is legit. He proved last year that he's a really, really good quarterback and at times played even better in Kansas State. This is the Big 12 champion from a year ago. Yeah, they lost Deuce, Deuce Vaughn, and that's a huge loss. I mean, that he's one of the best players that Kansas State's had over the last 23 years. You know, since the turn of the century, it might be one of the best players they've ever had. I'm not a Kansas State Wildcats, you know, fan, or so I can't tell you the history of the program. But just from what we saw and just his tenure with Kansas State, easily one of the best players that they've ever had, if not the best player they've ever had. But Chris Klein is a great coach. He's a really, really good coach, and all he's done is get Kansas State on an upward trajectory. So you're looking at Kansas State at seven and a half. I like them to go over on that one. Uh, and then we're looking at, you know, Texas Tech at seven and a half. Again, a, a, one of the darlings of the Big 12 in the preseason, a lot of people's dark horse to contend for the Big 12. I kind of like Texas Tech to go over. You know, their schedule is not super tough. They've got Oregon, but then they play Wyoming and Tarleton State. That can get them to two and one. Then they just go six and three. And this is what, these are some of the winnable games for them. They've got West Virginia, Houston, Baylor, BYU, UCF, TCU, and Kansas. So they've got quite a few winnable games on their slate. It's just a matter of will Joey McGuire and whether it's Baron Morton or Tyler Shuck, will those guys be able to take another step in the a positive direction for the program? Uh, last win total we'll look at for today, and uh, that's Oklahoma State. Now, I know I've not been high on Oklahoma State. I'm not. I'm not really high on them You know, doing much better than what they did a year ago. You know, they started off really strong, struggled down the stretch, finished seven to five, not a great season for them. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it is what it is. They, they still got some good players in Colin Oliver. They've got a good player in Brendan Presley. They've got some good offensive line. What intrigues me about Oklahoma State is their schedule. So they should go 3-0 in non-conference. They play Arizona State, which, you know, given where we think Oklahoma State is right now, that could potentially be a challenge. You know, th- this is not a um, strong Oklahoma State team on paper, uh, 
uh, but they play Central Arkansas. They play uh, Arizona State, and then they play South Alabama. That's your non-conference. And then they get they go to Ames to play Iowa State, which you know that could be a toss-up game between the two sides. They're home against Kansas State, which I'd expect Kansas State to win. That game against Kansas, kind of a toss-up. West Virginia, kind of a toss-up. Cincinnati, kind of a toss-up. Uh, they get Oklahoma at home, which I think Oklahoma wins that one. UCF, kind of a toss-up. Houston, a toss-up. BYU, a toss-up. So there's so many of these like coin flip games for the Cowboys. You're like, man, seven, seven and five going over six and a half wins. That doesn't seem that unreasonable. What Oklahoma State team are we going to get? Are we going to get the team that started off really, really strong? I think they were five and one to start the season last year and then just went, what, two and five down the stretch? Uh, two and four down the stretch just wasn't a good end of the season for them. So it's going to be an intriguing team to watch, but I don't know. I kind of like the over on Oklahoma state, even though I'm not super bullish on them, you know, getting back into big 12 title contention in 2023. We'll continue to talk win total projections. When we get Josh back, I'll ask him some of his thoughts on some of that as well, but let's turn our attention to softball because the uh, USA softball national player of the year award uh, nominees or Top three finalists came out today and yeah, no Oklahoma Sooners were included. Now there's a re there could be that the Oklahoma Sooners had three players in their, you know, in the, the top 10 as finalists and Jordy ball, Tiara Jennings and uh, Jada Coleman. But, and, and perhaps, you know, the three, you know, having three teammates in the top 10 potentially worked against, them as people log kind of their final vote for the top three and pick their finalists. I could, I can see that. I could see, you know, maybe one, you know, a set of, a set of voters saying, Oh yeah, it's TR Jennings and another set saying it's Jada Coleman, another set saying Jordy ball. And they kind of split the vote. And so none of them get in. I could, I could kind of see that. Um, if that's how this all works out. Uh, but here were the, the finalists. You have Valerie Cagle from, Clemson, Maya Brady from UCLA and Florida Skylar Wallace, you know, three very deserving players. It's not that they're not deserving. They've all had really, really good seasons. You know, um, Maya Brady hit 458. That's pretty good. Uh, you know, she had 18 home runs. Uh, Valerie Cagle, she hit 457. Um, and then also had 23 wins in the circle. So, I mean, that's pretty awesome. Like she honestly, she might be the player of the year being able to pitch as well as she pitched and then also hit, you know, 457 um, with 18 home runs and went 23 and five, 1.2 ERA and 169 innings pitched, uh, you know, kind of their Jordy ball, but to a much greater extent uh, at the plate so far. I mean, Jordy ball has been, a, you know, one of the best pitchers in all of college softball this year, but I mean, what Valerie Cagle did is kind of amazing. Actually, it's very Shohei Otana. Uh, if you're you know, major league baseball fan. Uh, and then you got Skylar Wallace of Florida. You know, she's got a 460 batting average. Um, she hit, what was it? 19 home runs. Um, so, I mean, again, all three very deserving, but how it still boggles my mind that one Oklahoma sooner couldn't end up as one of the top three finalists in the nation. Now, could it be that people are just tired of Oklahoma? They're tired and of seeing Oklahoma win all the all the awards and all the get all the accolades. Possibly, absolutely, one hundred percent possible. And if that's the case, 
suck it up. You got to be better. Get, get the rest of your programs up, get them to come up and be on Oklahoma's level a little bit. But you know, the goal for Oklahoma is national championships. Do they want? Yeah. I mean, but it's still like Tiara Jennings, Jada Coleman, they've had fantastic seasons at the plate. Maybe it's a bit of a down year based on her previous, you know, production for Tiara Jennings, but Jada Coleman's having a career year. She, you know, had a career best in home runs. She's one of the best leadoff hitters in all of college softball, if not the best. And if it weren't for Grace Lyons, Jada Coleman would probably be considered the best defensive player in the game. That's just how good she is. That's how much she impacts the game as a leadoff hitter. You can't, you struggle to throw to her because she can, she's very patient, but also she can hit for power. She can hit all fields. She can, you know, hit with speed. You know, she can do everything on the base, the base path that you want her to do just an absolute threat. So yeah, just kind of bummed that, you know, Jada Coleman didn't get to be a finalist for national player of the year because she was very well deserving. She had another, she had a fantastic season. I mean, we can look at Jada Coleman's stats here real quick as well and um, break that down because she's been really good. If I can find it really quick and I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Here we go. As it loads and I'm talking here on, on locked on Sooners, but she's led the Sooners in, in most of the offensive categories for most of the year. Um, you know, she's, Number one in home runs with 14. Uh, she leads the team in batting average with four at yeah, 434. Um, leads the team in slugging percentage at 828. On base percentage 561. Steals with 14. Uh, she leads the team in walks with 35. I mean, she's doing everything. Like leads the team in in total bases with 120. Just everything that you've asked her to do, she's done it and she's done it really, really well. And she's played in every single game. She's played 52 games. Uh, this year for the Sooners. So how Jada Coleman's not a national player of the year finalist, I'll never know. My only guess, and this is just wild speculation on my part, not really having much insight to how, you know, these things are voted on. Um, it's very possible that they just split the vote that Oklahoma, you know, the, the three players that were finalists for it, just split the vote. And, or if the committee just really felt like these three were the best deserving, I mean, I can't, I can't argue with their stats. They had very, very productive years. But again, it's one of those years like when the Heisman sometimes where you have, instead of just having three, you have four finalists because there's four deserving candidates or four people that garner enough votes to get to be a Heisman finalist. The same, I feel like, should be true in this case where Jada Coleman had such a great year. She was the best player on the best team in all of college softball and didn't garner a finalist selection. So... I don't know. They're going to do their talking on the, on the diamond as the uh, regional round gets started coming up on Friday. I mean, with a very favorable slate, they got Missouri Hofstra and California golden bears uh, this weekend at Marita Heinz field, which I'm sure is completely sold out, but you can go try and get you some tickets. Might be some scalpers. They opened up home run porch again. So that's going to be a fun thing for the regional and super regional rounds before we get to hall of fame stadium and the women's college world series counting our chickens before they hatch. Nah, this is Oklahoma softball. That's the expectation. They've done it so many times and they're so good. You just wonder, okay, how, how many went, how many losses will they take on their way to the women's college world series? I'm going to set the over under at one and a half. And you can let me know in the comment section on YouTube. Do you think that they have more than one loss on their, 
way to the women's college world series, meaning they have a loss in the regional round, a loss in the super regional round, but still make it to the women's college world series. Or will they have fewer than, you know, one and a half losses, one loss or less. Basically I'm going to take the under on that. I think if they lose a game, they'll lose just one game and it'll probably be a super regional game against maybe like a Clemson. If Clemson were to make it through to the super regionals, which I have very little doubt that they will, but I don't think that they're losing a game this weekend in Norman at Maria Hines field in the regional round, but that's going to do it for today's episode of locked on Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in and being part of the show, subscribing to the show, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for being so supportive of what Josh and I are doing here. We love you know, talking Oklahoma Sooners athletics with you all season long. And we thank you so much for your contributions uh, on Twitter at locked on Sooners on the YouTube page. Uh, make sure you go subscribe over there as well. And for all of your Apple reviews, they, they, they're great feedback and they do help us to, um, you know, just figure out how we need, how we need to do better on this show. We, cause we want to do better. We want to put out a great product for you, the Oklahoma Sooners fans. So you can keep coming back. Uh, but thank you so much again. I'm John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John nine Williams, read my work covering the Sooners over at soonerswire.com. You can also follow Josh at Josh on ref here on Monday through Friday from nine to noon on 94, seven, the ref in Norman, but until next time, hope you have a great day. Boomer sooner.